out of uh, Columbus is the thing for the for the year. It's called 40 to more. So you're going to get a little bit of what they're calling for, which is pretty easy. It's pretty self-explanatory. But the, the idea is to get a closer move of God for each of us to develop a relationship that is is more than what we had at the end of the year. So it's a constant thing to get more of God, more of God, more of God. And that's where the church is going to go. That's where we all want to go. Brother Chris talked about it this morning. Getting more of God. Feeling more of God. Going after his presence. More and more. It's all about him. It's all about getting close to him. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. It's good to see you all. Happy New Year to everyone. Many blessings to you all. As we begin this new year, I'm just waiting for my wife to get my communion thing ready. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I have to give condolences to those Ohio State fans. <laughs> oh, man. My condolences to you. I feel so sorry for that field goal kicker. <laughs> I mean, to miss that the, the way he did has got to be... Uh, I, I just feel sorry for him. Uh, you know, it didn't deserve to go that way. But uh, I didn't see the game. I didn't watch the game. I saw the highlights this morning. I was in. I was in bed by eight o'clock. <laughs> you know, my days of celebrating the new year and staying up like that is is long gone. Yep. But this morning, let's all stand. We're going to take. Communion. I'm going to read out of the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 19. And it said, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is telling the disciples, and you've all seen it, you've all been there. You've all watched the Last Supper so many times. But he broke the bread and he reminded them that the bread was his body broken for them, just like it's broken for you and me. And every time we take bread, we should do it in remembrance of him. So take the bread. And then he says, likewise, he also took the cup after supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for you. He's saying that today because his blood was shed for each and every one of you in this room. It's his blood that covers our sin. It's his blood that covers us. So every time we partake in a drink, 
we should do it in remembrance of him. So take the drink. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, for, thank you for your your body broken for our iniquities, Lord. Thank you for the blood that covered our sins, Lord. As we walk through life, we are covered by your blood. So precious is the blood. So precious is the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless. You know we talk about. New beginnings. We talk about getting into the more of the presence of God, that seeking God, seeking His presence, going after God. But this morning, in order to do that, you have to have a firm foundation. Like Jesus said, you got to build your house on a rock, not in the sand. We can't just float around. It becomes a matter of, do we believe? Do we surrender? Are we obedient? Do we just believe what we want to believe? Do we just surrender when it's convenient? And we, do we just obey the scriptures that we want to obey? I mean, we want this more. We're taking 40 days as one body to go after more of God. It's a 40-day fast, fast something for 40 days. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, the people that complain, stop complaining for 40 days. <laughs> Give up a meal for 40 days. Give up something that's precious to you. Make a sacrifice Hallelujah. for 40 days. Spend more time in the Word. They sat down 20 days, 20 minutes a day to read his scripture. 20 minutes of prayer. A lot of you do more than that, but some of you don't. So those of you that don't, up your game a little bit. Go for a little bit more. Amen. I mean, we want to press in. We want more of God. I mean, Jesus declares the advancement of the kingdom. It's the result, he says in Luke 16, 16, of preaching and pressing in. So if you want to pursue a deeper relationship with God, we need to surrender our body, our soul, and our spirit. We need to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. We need to read and study his word more. We need to spend more time in prayer. We need to press into worship. And we need to live in obedience to God. I mean, there isn't a disciple out there, any true disciple of Jesus, is going to want a more longing and lasting relationship with God. It's going to be something we desire. It's going to be something that we long for. It's going to be a little different than what we've gone through. It's going to be a little different than what we've known. Because when you press into the kingdom of God, it's not the kingdom of the world. It is very, very different. I mean, God tells us his ways are not your ways. 
Our thoughts are not, he says, my thoughts are not yours. Well, that has meaning. If we want to know him, we got to know his love. We got to love him. We have to desire him. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, something you're all very familiar with. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not out of works. At least anyone boasts. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing that you can do to earn God's grace. You can't go up there and say, God, you know, I did this. I did that. Give me your grace. No, he gives it to you. 1 Corinthians 8, 9, 8, 3, I mean, says, but if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. What does that mean? That means if any of you love God, God knows who you are. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God knows who you are. 1 John 4.19 says, we love him because he first loved us. That's very apparent if you read the scriptures. And then Jeremiah the prophecy that God spoke to him and said, this is my covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and teach each brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall know me. For the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. The words of the Lord. He has written himself in your heart. He has sent a Holy Spirit to come and dwell within you to be a constant reminder. But it all boils down to one thing. Faith. Do you have the faith that it takes? Are you strong enough in the faith? Because faith is going to get tested on everybody that presses into God. Your faith is going to be tested. It's not always a demonic attack that comes upon you. Sometimes it's God wanting to test your faith and see if you're ready to go further. He will test you. So we get down to what the text I want to talk about this morning comes from Romans chapter 1, verse 16, through the first part of verse 18. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for first the Jew and also for the Greek. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Now, I don't know how many of you have read the book of Romans, but the way Paul introduces himself 
is really wonderful i mean we should take this and modernize it for ourselves because paul says paul a bond servant of jesus christ called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of god Paul identifies himself as a bondservant. He is the first servant of Jesus Christ. He has complete and utter devotion to him. That's quite a statement. Complete and utter devotion to Jesus Christ. This is where we need to go. This is what we lack. A servant of Jesus Christ is higher than any title you could get in this world. It's higher than the title of president of the United States or president of China or president of whatever. Whatever ruler. You are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are his. And then Paul goes on. And he said he's called to be an apostle. A special ambassador, a messenger. Paul's message is the gospel of God. It's not some message he made up. It's not some message he wrote. It's what God gave him. This is what God has called him to be. God has called each and every one of you to be something. He has called you all. He has separated you from the world. He's called you to be his disciples. His people, special, prince and princesses in his kingdom. The gospel is God's, Paul's his messenger. And then he says he is separated to the gospel of God. What did Christ say to us? I have called you out. I have separated you from the rest of the world the same thing he did to Paul. He is separated. Paul, once a Pharisee, a well-known Pharisee, a very intelligent Pharisee, a teacher. But yet God said, no. I'm separating you from that. That life is no longer who you are. You are now my ambassador. You are now my apostle. Well, God has called you out of the world and said you no longer live there. You no longer dwell there. You are mine. Your citizenship is now in heaven. He has separated you from the rest of the world. So Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I mean, he's writing this to the Roman church. Rome, a very sophisticated city. What we would call like New York or LA, progressive, liberal, woke. And Paul says, hey, I'm not ashamed, I'll preach the gospel in front of these woke people, I don't care. He's not ashamed of the gospel. You can't be ashamed of it either. 
You have to speak it wherever it's called upon. God has given you all divine appointments. He's given you all times when something has come along where you've had an opportunity to be a minister. You are all missionaries in this area. Amen. This is your mission field. This is who you're called to do. He said, I'm not embarrassed about it. I mean, Christ my Savior was crucified. But he, Paul believes the gospel is power, power to salvation, and it's power to salvation for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. The scriptures, Jesus gave it first. He said, when he sent the apostles out, he sent them first to the Jew because he wasn't ready to give it to the Gentiles. But after he gave it to the Jews, he did give it to the Gentiles. He gave it to everyone. And it's a power. The power of the gospel leads you into salvation. Leads you into the presence of God. Leads you into a heavenly home. We have to stop hindering the power of the gospel. And realize that there is power in it. There is power in the gospel. And you have it. You have it. They call it the good news. The gospel is an advice on how to lift yourself up. It is power to lift yourself up. When the gospel comes upon you and you receive it, you've already been lifted up. It is power. I mean, if you look back into the, the time period of when Paul wrote this letter to Romans, I mean, Greeks had all those philosophers. Rome had power. Anytime you see stories about Rome in those days, they all talk about the power of Rome. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the apostles and, and all those believers in Jesus believed that the Messiah was coming to overthrow the power of Rome because Rome was very powerful. But despite all the power of Rome, the men were powerless to make themselves righteous before God. They couldn't do it. You can't do it on your own. You need the grace of God to get there. You need to surrender to God. There was a philosopher back in those days. His name was Seneca. And he called Rome a cesspool of iniquity. One of the early writers said it was a filthy sewer into which the dregs of the empire flood. Doesn't that sound like some of our modern cities today? Mm -hmm. Dreads of our country, dreads of this nation where people just flood to because they want to live that way. I mean, looked for salvation. 
They just didn't realize that they couldn't get it on their own. Seneca said the men were so conscious of their weakness and their inefficiency in the necessary things. They had to look for peace and they found that peace didn't come from Caesar. Peace came from God. Amen. This is where the people of the Roman church were founded because they were looking for peace. They were looking for salvation and it rose up in this den of iniquity. Why? Because there were people just like you who got together and said, we don't want to live like this. We want to live for God. We want the power of salvation. We want everything that God has for us. So as Jesus laid it out, the righteousness of God became revealed. God's righteousness come to those who are in faith. Habakkuk said, behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Justified ones. You've all been justified. You should live by faith. Your sins have been forgiven when you repented. God said, I forgiven your iniquities and I remember them no more. Yesterday's gone. 2022 is gone. There's nothing that you did back there you can ever change. It's history. It's gone. All you have is what's before you. So how do you want to go into 2023? Chasing more of God or chasing more of the world? Do you want to live in the cesspool of iniquity? Or do you want to live under the salvation of God? Amen. And press into all that he has for you. I mean, it's, you have to understand the righteousness of God that is revealed in the gospel is not the righteousness that's going to make you holy. That's a pursuit in your living. But it's a righteousness that God made you righteous with him and restored that relationship with him. That's why Jesus came, just to restore your relationship with God. Everything is gone. Everything is past. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. And we have to live it for Jesus. What did Matthew say? What did Jesus say in Matthew 6.33? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. All these things. Not some. Not just the ones he wants. All of them. But you have to go after it. Like Brother Chris said this morning, there are gifts of the Spirit. But unless you pursue them, you're not going to get them. It's not like you go underneath the Christmas tree and there's a bag and the, there's a box and you open a box and it says faith and all of a sudden you have it. No, you have to go after these gifts. God will give them to you, but you've got to use them. The righteousness is not the thing that's going to make you holy. It made you right with God. It's his righteousness in this calling of salvation that has justified you. 
It has made you everything that God needs to restore you to his relationship, to restore you the right way. This is very, very basic. Most of you have heard this a dozen times. But you have to start out this way in order to pursue more. It's a reminder to every believer that justifying faith is the beginning of a Christian life. We look what Paul says in Galatians 3, verses 1. He says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you when he was crucified. You have all known Jesus Christ crucified. Yet there are times when you've let in someone else to guide you, to bewitch you. These things must cease. Quit taking advice from worldly people. I mean, there's enough brothers and sisters here in every field you could ever imagine that can give you godly advice. Amen. You don't need to run to the world. Dear Abby's not around anymore, for those of you old enough to remember her. For you young ones, she just wrote a little thing about advice column. Paul writes verse 2 from Galatians 3. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? How did you receive the Spirit? It didn't come from you from the law. You didn't earn it. It came through your faith in Christ. Your faith in Christ gave you the spirit. Are you so foolish, he says, having begun in the spirit, you're now made perfect in the flesh? People, we need to stop this. We need to stop chasing after fleshly desires. We need to stop asking advice of fleshly people. I mean, if that's the road you want to go down, that's fine, but it's not going to get you any closer to God. In verse 18a, the beginning of the verse, which says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. The whole human race, every single one of us in this place and in the world deserves the wrath of God. We deserve it, hands down. But he said, hey, we have to look at the wrath of God different. It's not like human anger. I mean, we get angry. We say things we shouldn't. We do things we shouldn't. Some of us have anger issues that go off like little firecrackers, boom. We're angry for a split second and it's gone. Others, it lingers for weeks and weeks and weeks. 
We have to get rid of that. God's wrath is not like that. It's a righteous thing. We righteously deserve the wrath that's part of God's character. But he saved us from that. What are you saved from? You're saved from the wrath of God. Amen. You've been made right in the sight of God. You should be rejoicing, jumping for joy, screaming, yelling, thanking God every single moment because you do not have to experience his wrath. You have his salvation. He said, I built a mansion for you in heaven. That's where it is. That's what we're living for. I mean, none of us are in a hurry to get there, but we all want to end up there. Amen. There isn't a one of us, I believe, sitting here that doesn't want to go to heaven when we die. Amen. And we don't know when that time is coming. It could be today. It could be next year. Mm -hmm. It could be in five years. Mm -hmm. It could be tomorrow. You don't know. I don't know. So what do we do? We proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We celebrate the relationship we have with him. And we go deeper and deeper and deeper with him. Because the more we can learn of him, the more time we can spend with him, the deeper our relationship gets with him. I mean, wouldn't you all like to have that relationship with God? Whereas you walk by sick people that got healed. All you had to do was walk by somebody sick and they were healed. All you had to do was lay hands on somebody and you could cast out any demon that was bugging them or possessing them. It takes a relationship with God. It takes work. It takes sacrifice. Some of you are willing to put in that sacrifice. Others of you are not. But that's how you're going to get there. Mm -hmm. The sacrifice. Pressing into God is, Paul says, it's one of the most important lifestyle traits that we should have. It should be part of our DNA. It should be part of our life. Not just Sunday, come to church for a couple hours. This is not where we press in. This is where we celebrate the goodness of God. This is where we get to rejoice with our brothers and sisters that we haven't seen in a week. This is where we get to celebrate just who God is and just what God has done for us. It's the rest of the time that we need to be who God is. We need to be what Paul says, not ashamed of the gospel, but willing to proclaim it wherever we are, if, even if we're standing in a cesspool of iniquity. We need to stand out. We need to be different because that's what God has called us to be. Come on up, Dixon. How do we live by faith on a day-to-day -day basis? 
First thing we got to do is quit giving, doing things our way. Start doing things God's way. I mean, it's all about God. It's all about Jesus. I mean, God has a word for you every day. You wake up in the morning, you thank God, I thank God for the, for the air I'm breathing. Because one of these days, I know I'm not going to wake up. Not on this side of heaven. I know that. So if I'm here, God, what do you want me to do today? How can I celebrate your gospel today? And who knows? Sometimes it's an email I get from somebody. Sometimes it's a phone call. But one way or another, I get an opportunity to talk about Jesus. We come in here four mornings a week, and we're praying from 6.30 to 7.30. What are we praying for? More of God. More of God. More of God. Let's stand. We can't receive something by faith if we don't understand God's word. Faith and God's word go hand in hand. Do you have everything you need in life right now? Do you have that? God's word said he has and he knows all your needs. Philippians, what is it, 419? And God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All your needs. No matter what it is you need, if you really need it, God's going to supply it. It says so. It doesn't say he just supplies some of your needs. Some of you are thinking of needs so small. God's thinking needs so big. He's going to give you everything you need. If you need something from God this morning, or you want to make a commitment this morning, God, I'm going to go nearer and closer to you this year than I've ever been before. I'm going to chase after you. I desire more of you. If that's your plan, this, if that's a commitment you want to make this morning, come down to these altars. Let God know. Surrender. If you have something you need to surrender to him this morning. Something you're still holding on to. Or something that's maybe still holding on to you. Come and let it go. Let it go. Let it go this morning. Let it go. God, God wants everything you have. He wants all of you. He wants all of you. He doesn't want a percentage of you. He wants all of you. He wants every bit of you. supply all your needs. All your needs this morning. 
supplies, what are we doing? We have to trust God. We have to believe in Him. We need to take God at His word. Take God at His word. If we don't work our faith, our faith is dead. If you are justified in the sight of God, you live by faith. The scripture says, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let's remember this morning. We need to believe. We need to believe in Jesus Christ. We need to believe in Jesus. We need to surrender our will to his will. We need to surrender our will to his will. And we need to obey. Obey his word. Not just what we choose, but we need to obey his word. Obey.